0: You know, Jesus said in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. You know, Jesus in... The days in which he walked this earth. The time in which he was in Jerusalem, especially. He was constantly bombarded and confronted by the religious leaders of the time. Those who knew the law very well. And he was accused over and over and over of violating the law of Moses. But we know that that couldn't have been further from the truth. Because he lived a sinless life. He was blameless. He never did violate the law. But he did correct what man had perverted regarding the law of Moses. He clarified. He explained. Even though they didn't want to hear what he was saying, he would He would correct, he would straighten those things that they had made crooked, that they had perverted, that they had embellished upon and put more burdens on people. Not that the law is is enough in and of itself to point out that we fall short of that. God's perfect standard. You see, Jesus came to testify of the truth. He came to fulfill the truth, the very will of God, the prophecies that had been set forth through the law of Moses and through the prophets. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption As sons. And it's amazing. It's truly amazing as Alex had given us the devotion for communion. And how it was that Jesus took upon himself the sin of the world. He was born into this world. Born under the law. But he came to fulfill it. Not to destroy it. Not to abolish it. Not to shorten it. Not to change it, but to fulfill it. And this is what we will see this morning, as even from the birth of Jesus, throughout his whole life, everything was held in observance of God's laws. This reminded me of what it says in John fourteen fifteen. These are the very words of our Lord, who said, if you love me, you will keep My commandments. You see it was. The will of the son to do. The will of the father. This was what he desired to do. This was. This was his food. This is exactly what he came to do. And in so doing. He demonstrated to the father. His love for him. And so he is our perfect example. Of how it is that we ought to conduct ourselves. With the same desire. Desiring to. To. Fulfill the word of God, not because we have to, but because we get to. You see, he's given us instructions. He's laid out the way in which we can demonstrate our love for him. We could have been saved, and that's that's it, and then, then not explained as to how it is that we can bless the Lord, glorify him, and walk with him. And yet he did. He laid it all out. He gave us his commandments, his word, the law. We can meditate on them, hide them in our hearts, and walk in them according to the Spirit, demonstrating our love for the one who saved us. Jesus, again, is our chief example, perfect example, Jesus kept these commandments it was his desire to fulfill the will of the father and so it is with this that we ought to be encouraged to do the very same thing and what we'll see this morning is Jesus presented at the temple according to the law of Moses by faithful and obedient parents but also we'll learn of some prophetic words that were given to Simeon and Anna we'll learn of who they they were in a few moments But these prophetic words were given regarding Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. That is a name that was given to him in obedience to what God had told Joseph to name him. As we'll see, Simeon was ready for death once he saw the Savior. He was ready. He was done. Sometimes we may feel the same way. Right? We know the Savior. We're done. Let's go. Lift off and Anna Anna was a faithful woman, and she was a woman who was committed to serving the Lord, being over eighty years old, and have only been with her husband before he died for just a short time, and yet was a woman who couldn't stop giving thanks to God. She didn't get bitter. She got better. She just simply leaned, leaned into the Lord that much more and served him. We'll learn about how it was that she couldn't stop speaking about Jesus to all who were hoping for the redemption of Jerusalem. So let's begin. Verse 21, as Jesus is presented, we begin by with the uh, the acknowledgement of his circumcision in accordance with the law. In verse 21, it says, And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When Jesus was brought for circumcision, he was eight days old. That was it. But he was brought to be circumcised to fulfill the law. It was all according to the law of Moses. It was required that every Jewish male who wanted to practice the faith to be circumcised. We know as we have gone through the Old Testament, we've gone through the Law of Moses, we've gone through Genesis, through Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Old Testament. We know according to Genesis 17, that this was a sign and seal of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Abraham fact, in Genesis 17, verse nine, it says, "And God said to Abraham, "As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you uh, throughout, uh, and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised." Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And So as we read, this was a covenant that was made between God and Abraham. It was the shedding of the skin. Which required the drawing of blood. Circumcision of the flesh is performed physically. But that's not where it ends. Because it is true. It, at least it ought to be true spiritually. In the day of Christ, as it could be in any day. In the day that we're living in today. Something that should be observed spiritually. Some, something that should be received and observed in a way in our lives that reflect a love for God. Sometimes turns into just simply a ritual. Something that doesn't have any meaning whatsoever. In fact, as Alex reminded us in communion, we can turn this into simply a ritual that we do every three weeks or so. Just some, we go through the motions, we know what to do. We come up, we take the cracker, we dip it into the juice, we take it back to our seats, pray a little prayer, and then we partake of the elements. And so it is, and there's no change in our hearts. No repentance. We're still the same people. It's not what the Lord desires. You see what was received as a covenant between God and His people, pointed to something that He desires of you and I, that the flesh would be circumcised from our hearts. Romans chapter two verse twenty nine says, "But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. the um, The praise or the affirmation that we should be seeking is just simply the word from the Lord." Knowing that he is being praised, he is being honored and glorified simply because we desire to obey him. To cast the flesh aside and walk by the spirit. Walk in the truth of God's word and honor him. Even the Jew is not one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. That man's praise is is not from man but from God. And what's interesting is that circumcision is a reminder actually. That we are all born in sin. It's a reminder of that very thing. In fact the psalmist writes in Psalm 51 five, Behold I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. And it's interesting because Jesus was circumcised. Why? He was without sin. You see, he came to identify with sinners. As a baby, at the Jordan with John the Baptist, as he was baptized. He was not baptized to identify with his own death, burial, and resurrection. He went to identify with sinners, you and I. identified with sinners on the cross too, as the wrath of God was poured out upon him. That's why verses like Hebrews 4.15 have such a deeper meaning when we realize these things, when we consider these, thing, these things. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In fact, after his baptism, he was taken out to the wilderness. He was tempted for 40 days by Satan himself. You and I, oftentimes, we blame Satan, but it's not Satan doing anything in our lives. He can leave us to our own vices and we can wreck ourselves, sure enough. It's normally, quite honestly, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Satan can just kind of look at us and say, they're doing it to themselves. Uh, he send his little minions in there to maybe cast some doubt in your, in your mind or, you know, confuse you a little bit. That's all it takes. And yet, our Lord was tempted by Satan over and over and over and over and over again. I imagine after that, who could blame him for having PTSD, right? But, because we're, we're all about that. Listen, as Christians, as believers, we need to have the mind of Christ, right? Right? In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world, everything for you. Our hope is in Christ alone. In Christ alone. And he, he identified with us. We need to identify with him. We do not have a high priest who doesn't know what's going on in our lives, who hasn't gone through even loss. It does not matter what you've gone through. Family, you have to understand it doesn't matter. Material loss, financial loss, the loss of loved ones. He has experienced it all, and you haven't even come close to experiencing what he's experienced himself on the cross. Not close. Our hope, our purpose, our our whole life should be wrapped up in Christ alone. He was identifying with us. This is beyond comprehension that the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, would come down to this earth and identify with you and I. The filth of the world And he did. (laughs) What love God has for us. Because Jesus was without sin and yet identified with sinners. Jesus was only eight days old and already he was numbered with the transgressors. And circumcision was only the beginning. After that, Jesus was then brought to the temple and presented... When he was 40 days old and Joseph and Mary did as the law required and Jesus was presented for purification rites, which are described in Leviticus chapter 12 in verse 22 of Luke chapter two, it says, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. It's it's interesting because that's the portion of Scripture that they referred to because that is exactly what they offered, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. What this tells us is that as the parents of Jesus, Joseph and Mary came To present their firstborn and to offer a sacrifice to redeem him as their firstborn. They came not with the lamb which was required, but what was allowed in the place of the lamb, if they could not afford a lamb, is a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And that's what they brought. In other words, Joseph and Mary were not rich. They were Humble. They were poor. And yet, they were faithful to the Lord. They had nothing. And yet, they had everything. They offered this Jesus was born under the law bore the curse of the law. And it was through this that he set us free from the bondage of the law. It's all according to Galatians 4.4. 4. If you're jotting down notes, jot down Galatians 4.4, 4, Galatians 3.13 from what I just said, and then Galatians 5.1. 4.4, 3.13, and 5.1. through this I what I want for us to see is the depth of God's love for us that's what we need to see secondly we see Jesus and the comfort and joy that he brought to a man named Simeon verse 25 as we continue says now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. How awesome is that? Right. This man was, is described as a man of faith, a man who is righteous, walking in the ways of the Lord. He's described as a devout man, one who was devoted and committed and consecrated unto the Lord. Having an unwavering commitment to God. And it was this man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Having been empowered by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. Now had the anointed one revealed to him. God having revealed to him that he would not die before seeing the Messiah. Also known as the consolation of Israel. He was a man who was led by the spirit, taught by the word of God and obedient to the will of God. And here we see how he was privileged to see the salvation of God. As we go through that same cycle ourselves in our walk with the lord we too will see more depth more width more richness to the salvation that we have come to know as we are led by the spirit of god taught by the word of god as we obey the word of god we will see the depth of god's love for us as we fully or we get a fuller picture Of the salvation of God. We draw closer. We press in. We fall deeper in love with the Lord. Who saved us. By his grace. Through his son Jesus Christ. You see this is what is desired of every person. That every person would see the salvation of God before they die. Every single one. Repenting of their sins and confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. In 2 Peter 3.9 it says, Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This Simeon, this devout man of God, came empowered by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God, was told that he would see the consolation of Israel before he died, was in the temple, and as Joseph and Mary brought Jesus into the temple, he saw him, discerned who he was by the Spirit, took him into his arms. He blessed God and he prophesied and praised God. It's important for us to note how it, how it was that this man, Simeon, referred to himself. He referred to him as, as no one great. In fact, he referred to himself as a servant of God. I'm simply God's servant. And with the Savior in his arms, he said he was ready for death. A, a servant is a person who in the Greek, with this word that is used is, is a slave, is, a, is simply a, a willing bondservant of the Lord. One who is given to the master. And that's how he referred to himself. Lord, now you are letting your servant, he says, depart in peace. At this point, he was ready. The word depart has several meanings it means to release a prisoner to cast off the lines fore and aft, which means untying the ship, letting it set set sail. To take up the stakes on a tent. It's time to go. Take up the stakes. It's time to fold up the tent, wrap it up, tie it up and carry it to some other place, but somewhere where you will need that tent. It also means to unyoke a beast of burden. You know, in the same way, through death. Reality is that a child of God is no longer a prisoner in a fallen world. A child of God is set free by God from the burdens of this life. Death is simply the doorway into glory eternally speaking it's the final release the last time we pull up the stakes a time when we are unyoked and walk into the fullness of god in his glory what a joy What a goal. We realize the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In that moment. And Simeon said, I am now ready. I'm now ready to depart in peace. According to God's word. Why? (laughs) My eyes have seen your salvation. We know that this is the the only point at which anyone would be and will be ready to depart in peace to the Lord. Because there's only two places that people go after death. It's either heaven or hell. There's no in between. It is unbiblical to even consider an intermediary place. Purgatory, there's no such thing. And for the child of God, for the child of God, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord immediately. And if we choose to reject the salvation of God, known only through Jesus Christ. Then we are fully accountable for our sins and we are therefore willingly we go into hell. There is no one in hell that didn't go willingly. No one. We need to understand we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None is righteous, no, not one. How do you get into heaven? Believe in Jesus Christ. Don't wait for tomorrow. Today's the day of salvation. There should be a sense of urgency. That's why I hear these testimonies. And my wife and I were talking about this and how it is that these testimonies... In fact, I just told you about two yesterday. Uh, one was told fully in the world, the, that, and he came to the Lord. This young guy serving the Lord the way he is at Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz. And then we have the, the other guy. He's a little older, and he's been used by the Lord. But it's interesting how it was that he was saying that he had gotten a DUI in um, Joshua Tree and how it is that he came and repented and turned from that way of life there at Calvary Chapel, Joshua Springs, and gave his, his life to the Lord. And we were talking about how, man, that's a testimony of so many people that are being used by the Lord. It's like, well, probably because we know the, God, the grace of God, the depth of God's grace, maybe a little more than the person who's had just a pretty good life in the eyes of the world. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But but can I share something with you? Who needs that kind of a testimony? Anyone who has that kind of a testimony, and you know who you are. You can raise your hand if if you want. Anyone who has that kind of a testimony, would you recommend to someone else to not have that testimony? Anyway, you can say amen if you want. Yeah, Robert, thank you for being willing to share. I would say, hey, listen, you don't have to go down that path. no no person who is walking with the Lord today regrets that choice. Man, I wish I would have gotten into drugs and alcohol and, you know, just destroyed a couple marriages and then maybe I'll have a testimony to share at church someday. We're warned of all that. Oh no, those who have been walking with the Lord... You have a powerful testimony. Don't think you don't. In fact, that speaks of someone like Simeon, someone like Zechariah, someone like John the Baptist. Their testimony is that they walked faithfully with the Lord. You will not be ready. Listen, you will not be ready. To go in peace until you know the Prince of Peace as Savior. At that point, Simeon was ready. He was praising God. Salvation had come not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, what he was prophesying. In fact, that was told to the shepherds in the, the fields as they were given news of the newborn son. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, Jews and Gentiles. Salvation has come. And so Simeon was overjoyed, he was comforted, and he was at peace, knowing the salvation of the Lord. Let's continue, verse 33, it says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. So this is referring to Joseph and Mary. So they heard what Simeon had said, and, and they, were, they were marveling, they were in awe, they were amazed at what he was saying. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your, your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." And so while Joseph and Mary were amazed at what Simeon uh, was saying, he continued prophesying of what was to come. Simeon said that Jesus would be the stone that many would stumble over. We've heard that before, right? In Acts chapter 4, verse 11, it says, "This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. In Romans chapter 9, Verse 30. Says, what shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, and this is in reference to Isaiah 28.16, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Again, the Apostle Paul, as he was writing this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, made reference to Isaiah 28.16. Was happening in that day. Even though we know that today, that it is true of many Jews, we can also say that many Gentiles reject and stumble over Jesus. Many people reject Jesus. And the bottom line is that what's rejected <clears throat> is a cornerstone. And yet he remains the cornerstone and the rock upon which true refuge in God's salvation is known. Simeon not only makes reference to that, but he also makes reference to the fact that uh, Jesus is revealed through many signs. And he reveals all hearts for what they are. And he said here, including Mary's. Now, some commentators say that, well, this reference to being pierced, her heart being pierced, is is the anguish that she will experience because of what her son will go through. But in context, if we could just read it once more. In verse 34 it says and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is appointed for the fallen and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed right revealed Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 17 says and take the sal- take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And then in John chapter 1 Verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. That was, sorry, that was sword. Watch too many, too many movies. <laughs> is that how it goes? The word, Jesus himself, right? He's, he's a revealer of hearts. He came to testify of the truth. I brought you through that. Um, I don't know if you caught up and it was up on the screen, but... Um, wasn't in my notes. It was just something that we need to understand. Hey, listen, he reveals our hearts. Even the heart of Mary. She wasn't without sin. She is not Christ's co-redemptor. She's not redemptress. She didn't assume into heaven. Her virginity was not perpetual. Jesus had brothers and sisters. Not spiritual brothers and sisters, which he did, but... He had in the flesh brothers and sisters. Joseph and Mary had other brothers and sisters. There's only one Savior. And his name is Jesus. We need to understand that. Read your Bible and know it. Because if you read your Bible, you'd know this to be true. If there is a church, I don't care what church it is that is teaching anything contrary to that. What I just said, which is in alignment with the word, that's a false teaching. I don't care how many millions are following that. And you know I'm referring to the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church. This is not for me to be offensive. It's the word of God that's offensive. Why? Because it's the truth. And so that's why I want to make it perfectly clear. This is something that people are still following and saying, hey, listen, there's still our brothers and sisters in Christ. Honestly, I don't know how it is that if you were here, like let's say for instance, and I was teaching something that's false, right? And then you came to realize that what I was teaching was false. But you know what? 95% of everything else that he teaches is true. Or maybe 90%. Or maybe 80 that's still the majority, right? Hey, guys, stick around. Stick around, right? Would you guys stick around? Come on, that, that was weak. Would you guys stick around? No. Thank you. <laughs> Please don't. Please run, all right? You, you, need, you need to run. If, if, there's, if there's something that I don't repent of, right, and I'm teaching something that's false, Don't stick around. I would be wondering about you if you stuck around. What are you wanting to hear? Something that basically satisfies your itch? Something that makes you content or justifies your sin? Something that alleviates uh, the the call that God has on your life to righteousness and holiness? (laughs) Simeon was prophesying and he was saying, listen, he is the word. The word reveals, it just does surgery on our hearts, reveals everything that's in our hearts. That's a good thing, by the way. That is a good thing. Even in Matthew ten thirty four, Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword a sword so when our hearts are exposed for what they are that we can be it's in that time that we can be convicted of our sin as it's revealed and then call upon the name of the Lord please save us it's kind of like when peter he walked on the water and it's in that moment that he was sinking right he said jesus save me why because he realized he would die if he did not call out to the lord we need to get into that place to where we realize that's why these, these testimonies, right? these men, these brothers of mine realize me, I realize I am going to die in my sin if I do not cry out to the Lord. Perhaps that's why some others need to get to the point to where you're completely broken, you're without anything, and your only hope, finally, can be Jesus Christ. If you don't know, you need to be forgiven. You will never ask for forgiveness. God's word is truth, and it reveals what is true and what is false, what what is good and what is bad, to allow the person to choose with full knowledge, with understanding. Simeon was prophesying that Jesus will reveal the thoughts of many hearts and will be a a stumbling stone for many. And the question is, For us is how about you? Because it has to come down to a personal level. To an individual. Is Jesus the cornerstone of your faith? The foundation of your salvation? Or is he the stone upon which you stumble and trip? Because if he is the ladder. Then he will also be the rock under which you are crushed. You believe in Jesus follow him. Verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Anuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Jesus, a hope fulfilled, a a hope that was known by Anna as it was for Simeon. Here we have a widow who had been faithful to her husband for seven short years. And then he died. She is now 84 years old and still serving the Lord. Going to the temple on a daily basis and and fasting and praying had given herself completely to the Lord. As I pointed out at the very beginning of the message, I am reminding us of the very fact that this woman did not become bitter when she lost her husband after seven years. Can you imagine? You know, man, I... I had my whole life in front of me. I thought that I was going to live with my husband and we were going to just ride off into the sunset as old people. Well, maybe not ride off, but maybe. But something, right? Because we look at each other and we think, man, I sure do hope that I, I do. I do with you. Scroll together. We enjoy each other. We enjoy serving the Lord together. And some people would think, man, she was robbed. Why? Have you ever tried to figure out why God does certain things? You ever try and think about what what was God thinking? Why why did these happen, this thing happened the way it did? I would encourage you to stop. We don't know. Many things we have no clue whatsoever. Just be faithful to the Lord. That's what Anna did. She was just faithful to the Lord. She wasn't, she wasn't uh, wagging her finger at, at God. She wasn't cursing God, you know, even Job's wife was telling him, "Curse God and die, you miserable man, you know. Just go." He refused. Anna refused. She just simply trusted in the Lord and found great contentment in Him. Her love for God was expressed, it was deepened. Her devotion to Him was shown by her manner of life. As Simeon was prophesying and praising God, this woman arrived and began to worship God and praise Him also. She spoke of him. That is Jesus. To all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. As it says there. The consolation of Israel. The Messiah. The anointed one of God. Salvation has come. And Jesus is his name. Her hope was fulfilled. Are you satisfied? Are you content in the Lord? Is your hope fulfilled? Verse 39 as we. Concludes says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. All had been performed according to the law of the Lord. And the family returned to the region of Galilee, in a small town, insignificant, Nazareth. And Jesus, well, he became strong. He experienced that. As a child, he was growing and was becoming strong. He was being filled with wisdom. And he knew God's favor. Jesus, we know, was perfectly obedient to God, and yet he knew how to obey his parents. See, he himself, being fully God and fully man. He experienced all the temptations as we read in Hebrews. He experienced all those things. And yet he was perfectly obedient to the Father and to his parents. He developed spiritually, uh, applying knowledge and being under the grace and favor of God. He also experienced that. You know, our children, as we pray for them, we desire that... As they grow, that they become spiritually strong, filled with God's wisdom, and they also come to know God's grace and his favor. You know, when you're walking with the Lord, you you begin to understand, you begin to realize what that looks like. You discern that, right? It's not the accumulation of things, finances, and all these things that we discern is God's favor. We realize that it's something far beyond that. It's that peace that surpasses all understanding. It's the ability to see things for what they are. It's the ability to to love God because the Spirit indwells us. It's knowing God's hope. God's purpose, His will. We begin to understand, oh, that's God's grace and favor. Let me walk in that. And that's what we hope for our children. To come to know as well. Well. Jesus came to fulfill the law on our behalf. Because we could not. Jesus was born under the law. According to Galatians 4.4. 4, bore the curse of the law. According to Galatians 3.13. And thus he set us free from the bondage of the law. According to Galatians 5.1. Therefore. Freedom from eternal condemnation. Is only known in Jesus Christ. Salvation. Comes only. Only. Through Jesus Christ. I pray for us. That we can all rejoice. Like Simeon did. That we can all praise him. Have that peace. Of God. Knowing the salvation of God. In Christ Jesus. As Lord and Savior. And that we too. Can respond. Like Anna responded. Being devoted and faithful to him. And telling as many people. As we possibly can salvation has come. And it is only known through Jesus Christ. For he is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you too shall be saved. And I pray that that would be you repent of your sin. Turn from your sin. And believe on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I tell you, the moment you do, the Holy Spirit will come and reside in you. You'll be a new creature with a new heart, with new desires. And the fruit of the Spirit will begin to take shape in your life. Draw closer to the Lord. Come in fellowship. Let's praise God together. Let's serve Him together. Father, we thank you. Lord, for your goodness, your grace, your love for us. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to radically transform your people. From the inside out. As your spirit moves, Father, and reveals these things to us, Lord, of ourselves and also of who you are. I pray, Lord, that we would make decisions, choices. Lord, to trust in you even more and walk with you. In a way that is faithful and is glorifying to you. May we surrender our will to your will and bless you. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name.